there are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the, the case. Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. My name's Luke. I'm Salty. I'm Cam. Hi, friends. Yeah, how are we, gentlemen? Friends is a push. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. You guys are all right. Thanks. Thanks. Now we know where we stand with Salty. <laughs> I'm good. How are you, Salty? I'm good. Yeah. Cam? All well. Yep. All swell that ends well. Trio of wellness. Yeah. What are we going to talk about? Today we are going to talk about Ruby Ridge, a topic that looms large over a lot of the things we discussed. Mm. Uh, I guess what the news segment today is going to have a lot of like similar stories with all the stuff that's going on in the news. So if you are a Patreon, jump onto that bloody uh, Patreon website and check out the Patreon exclusives. Yeah, of course we should thank, before we begin, our biggest Patreons supporter, Tom Who's giving us $33 for all of that cookness. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. You can join him at patreon.com slash hypothepod. But let's get into it. So Ruby Ridge is a, was a siege in 1992 in northern Idaho. Mm-hmm. It was between uh, Randy Weaver and his family and the federal government. And it really does inform... So much of, uh, uh, it had a big impact on the militia movement in the 90s and I think set in motion things that resonate even today. Mm. It solidified everyone's paranoia that the government were going to try and come and get them. Yeah, Yeah. because the government came to get someone. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. because they did. Um, Was it called Ruby Ridge before the siege or is that the name it got given after the siege? That was the name of the place. Yeah. I I watched one video and the guy was like, this place became known as Ruby Ridge. And I, I was think like, is that because a lot of blood, red, and like rubies, or I think it was just Ruby. Ruby Ridge got put on the map, right? Like Ruby Ridge was probably not the most famous spot in the area. Yeah, it's one of these one of these things that we, when we look, when I started looking into it because I didn't really know that much about it. I knew the name of the thing and I knew that it was a siege, but I wasn't really clear on the background. I had assumed it was just a thing where everyone got killed. No, no. No, I didn't realise that that guy... Is he still kicking? Yeah, yeah. he's still around. He's yeah. still around. Um, do we want to talk about what it was before we speculate on what he's up to now? Yeah, so I guess in a way it starts a bit earlier than 1992. So to put it in the context, in the more general sense, there was a push for the federal government to look harder at uh, right-wing extremism. Mm. There was a, there'd been a group called the Order, for example, that had been doing uh, bank robberies to finance their white supremacist activities. That also killed a radio host called Alan Berg, and that really put a target on the, uh, the right-wing, the far right's uh, head. Mm. Uh, justly deserved one mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time as uh, that was happening sort of and we're going to hear more about the order in coming weeks because uh, we're also going to be looking at waco and uh, the oklahoma bombing mm. in the weeks to come but uh sort of at the same time as that was happening uh randy weaver who was just some bloke yeah 
Uh, he moved out to uh, Ruby Ridge with his family. They sort of they wanted to live off the grid. Mm. Uh, they were pretty far right leaning Christians. Yeah. By this point. Yeah. Yeah, they were very, very, very conservative Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- it's sort of de- there's some debate about just how Nazi. He was. He was definitely a racist. <laughs> well, he he would go and hang out with the Aryan Nation guys, right? Yeah. And it, but it's like, oh, I'm not a Nazi though. They're just nice blokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so they're just nice blokes, it, and I don't mind some of their ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I did look this up. Um, he used to go to the Aryan Nations Congress uh, in Idaho, where attendees were obviously establishing an Aryan white uh, homeland. Mm. Uh, he also took his family to at least two other Aryan congresses. <laughs> so a, f- a family outing uh, was to the either the Aryan Congress or the World Congress, which is also the same kind of thing. Um, and that's where he kind of met the the undercover agent that kind of mm. helped kick all this off. Um, but he's also part of something, or referred to them, they refer to themselves as Christian identity. Yeah. Um, and they believe that white Christians are the real true Jews and the people that call themselves Jews are imposters and seeds of the devil, and that people of colour were mud people who denigrate everyone else, and so forth. That was courtesy of Rational Wiki. <laughs> um, so, do they spell tr- when they say true Jew? Do they spell true T R E W? Get that like double E W? No, um, but yeah. So while he kind of oh, and also he quite often was where would be seen wearing a um, Zog T shirt. Yeah, uh, we've discussed the Zionist occupied government. Yeah, just say no to Zog. And apparently, his son Samuel reportedly wore a swastika armband sometimes. So, so did Prince Harry, though. Yep, yeah, fair. I don't like him either. <laughs> um, so I guess while he was never part of the Aryan Nation, this is his son wearing a swastika armband pre fourteen years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <is> a bit <laughs> fucking off. Um, so yeah, while he never, maybe not officially part of the Aryan Nation, involved in arms dealings going to their congresses uh, and then identify yourself as a Jew-hating white supremacist. Mm. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. On the other hand, he wasn't, he wasn't bothering anyone. He was, he was sort of up there on the mountain hating Jews and non-white people, mm. but in a more general sense, yep. rather than going out and doing anything about it, mm. which is, you know, the best you can hope for. <laughs> <laughs> but he was also up there hating white uh, non-whites and Jews and also the government. Which was white. Yeah. So his so a lot of people say that, that his wife Vicky was kind of the um, the leader of the family in the sense that she really pushed for the religious the religious side. She said she had visions uh, from God. Yeah. In the bathtub for some reason. Um, I don't know why that was mentioned, but and God told them to move to to um, Ruby Ridge. Yeah. And find this place, and that's where when it all happens, you're going to be safe. And uh, they, she referred to basically the government as the beast, um, and so they had to escape the beast by uh, getting up to the top of the mountain. So she, they're up on the mountain, and there's a few things that happen uh, in the eighties. She's sending out a lot of letters to people. Right. Uh, I think he was also sending out a few letters to people. Just letting him know what was going on, <laughs> like the government and so forth. He got into some sort of property dispute with a neighbour who alleged in some sort of legal proceeding that uh, Randy Weaver had like, threatened the president and the Pope. Yeah, because I think he got the, the favour of the court in the land deal went towards Weaver and then I think the neighbour was like, yeah, well, he fucking threatened to kill the, kill president. the president and the Pope and all these other people, yeah. But, which is, you know, it's not really a viable threat. No. Because the Pope's... Firstly, the Pope's going to have to come out to Ruby Ridge. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be in a glass-proof... Car, his yeah. Pope mobile. Yeah. If the Pope came to Ruby Ridge, you'd hope he'd have his bulletproof oh, thing, yeah. given that there's this pre-existing threat. Mm. Uh, at one point, there was he sent a letter to Reagan, just letting him know that if you get another letter from me saying I want to kill you, that's a I've forged my signature. That wasn't that wasn't really me. <laughs> <laughs> but did it was the first letter saying I'm going to kill you? Well, we don't know if there was a, if there even was a first letter. I don't think it ever showed oh. up anywhere. So how do we know he sent it? Well, because no, we all we know is that he did send a letter to Reagan saying if you oh. get this other letter saying I I'm going to kill you. Ah, oh, right, right. It's not really from me. <laughs> he tried to do like 
an email recall before there was email. <laughs> send another letter quick. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't opened the first one yet before the second one comes telling them not to open the other one. And then hope they open that one second. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, first. Est- we've established he and his wife were pretty cooked. Yeah. Yeah. So they're up there. They, he's going to these Nazi things. Um, he's sort of on the government's radar a little bit. It's not on the FBI's radar, but I think he was on the uh, ATF's mm. radar. And um, at the same time as this is happening, the federal government is trying to infiltrate the Aryan nations in the wake of all of this other stuff. Yeah. And so they've got a new, they've got, I think they have a lot, quite a few informants. Yeah, well, it wasn't like the leader of that guy's main bodyguard, uh, undercover FBI agent. Yeah. There was, uh, I read something that said... Um, at that time, if you were talking to three skinheads or three Aryans, two of them are likely FBI informants. Right. Um, there's just that many. Like, so there was. I think there was quite a few undercover agents or at least informants up there. Mm. But uh, one of them invites uh, Weaver along to one of these congresses, mm. and I think that maybe one of their informants had gotten burnt, and they needed a new one. Mm. to get into the Aryan Nations. And they couldn't just rely on the other 50 guys they had in there <laughs> So they sort of try and entrap Weaver. I guess it must have been not proper entrapment because they were allowed to do it, but it still seems a little sus to me. Yeah. Well, the so the, the agent that entrapped him always wore a wire, but sometimes he didn't because he was afraid of being caught, which I guess is fair. This is the ATF informant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, the one where he allegedly entrapped him, it's not clear. Like it depends on on his language, you know, right. if he said if he encouraged him or not. Yeah. Some of the stories, and I, I guess the story is that he sold sort of shotguns to this this informant, yeah, which was illegal. Um, whether or not, well, he, he saw the shotguns off as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He modified them. Yeah, yeah. But whether or not he was asked to do it. And kind of coerced to do it or he offered to do it isn't clear. Yeah. Um, by a lot of accounts, he did sell a lot of guns and use that. Like every time the, the family had a bit of money, he would buy a gun, a couple of guns. And then when they were broke, he would right. sell them off. Yeah. Um, the <clears throat> agent was posing as a uh, arms dealer. Right. And so I think uh, Weaver had sold him guns in the past. Um, and he had offered, I think, to, to do sword, sword off shotguns for him in the past. Or yeah. It's kind of grey about how it all panned out. Mm. I, I watched an interview with Randy Weaver, as like must be quite recent because he's ancient in it. And he's talking about how, yeah, I was, uh, he got me to make some sword off shotguns. He's like, which isn't even illegal. All you <laughs> need is a $300 permit. He's like, which I couldn't get. Because I needed to sell guns to make money. <laughs> it's like he's like making out that if he had enough money to make these modified yeah. <laughs> sh- sh- sawn-off shotguns, he would have done it. He would have had the permit. He would have had the permit. But, yeah. but that is, that's a good point, though. Like, the only thing that was illegal about it was they didn't have a permit for it. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know. But they were, I mean, they were trying to basically get him do, to do something illegal and then... Either testify or bang you up in the yeah. clink. So was it one of the? I don't know if I if this is coming from his side of it or this is what actually happened. But the person who tipped him off about the ATF guy being a, a rat was he also a rat? I think, I think so. he was an undercover FBI guy <laughs> okay. saying, "Don't deal with that guy. He's a, a fucking an ATF rat." I think the. The rat that tipped him off might not have been an actual agent, but just a, an informant mm. who'd all... Ah, right. Maybe it had something similar happen. Oh, because, yeah, that, that must be who... Because it was the the Aryan Nation guy's head bodyguard must have just been an informant, not an actual undercover FBI guy, like I said earlier. Because I think that's who tipped him off about the ATF guy. Mm. Anyway, all too late. Yeah. They've got him. He's already done the deal. Uh, and they arrest him quite cleverly. They... Uh, Poses tourists who have like broken down on the hill, mm. and so when Randy Weaver's like going pa- driving past, he goes to help them. Right, and uh, what a nice bloke! Yeah, Double yeah. Full chat. They push his wife into a snowbank Whoa. and arrest him. Yeah, 
It so, seems like a very cleverly executed yeah. arrest plan. Yes. Did they learn that one from like Jeffrey Dahmer? Isn't that what he used to do? Pretend he was broken down on the side of the road oh, right. and people would come on to help him and get him. But it's like, where was this? Where was that cleverness later on? Yeah. So that, <laughs> and the reason they did that was they kind of assessed the situation and thought, nah, if we try and arrest him at his house, might kick off. Yeah, things are not going to go well. You reckon? Anyway, <laughs> I wonder if that will come back to bite them. Anyway, he goes to jail. Awaiting trial, he gets a he does get bailed out though. Mm. But this is, I think, one of the first of many fuck ups is that uh, when he's bailed out, the judge tells him that uh, they put the house up as collateral, and it, somehow it's communicated to him that if he loses the case, they're going to take the house, mm. which is not how it works. No. If he doesn't show up to court, they can take, take the house, the house. Mm. but not if he loses. But so it's set up very early in the legal process as we're coming to get you. Mm. Yeah. They also got the wrong date yeah. of his court trial. Oh, um, that so was his parole officer or something, right? Well, fucked it up. It was, I think, on the the letter sent out. Your court yeah. date is March. So he's he's given the court date of February twentieth, mm. and then I think he gets pushed back a day. Mm. Because there was a, I think, because everyone had to travel so far to get to court. So when they send out the letter letting him know that they've pushed it back a day, they accidentally put the wrong date on. They put a date in March on. Mm. They do go to some lengths to try and communicate that mis- that there's been a mistake. Yeah. And he's not engaging with them. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, at this point, warrant for his arrest. He's not turning up to court. So the, the court date rolls around. Yeah. And the warrant gets put out for his arrest. Yeah. Before the warrant gets put out for his arrest, though, they go to some lengths to get in touch with him. Yeah. And he's not picking up the phone. Yeah. He's off the grid. Yeah. I don't think he has a phone, but they're like, they try and get in, they get in touch with his friends and people that know him. Yeah. And send him like more letters and things. But there's not, I don't think there's any evidence that he ever heard about what the correct mm. court date thing was. But then that goes on for a year. So, so at some point he would have found out. So he doesn't. Well, he doesn't show up to court. Yeah, and a warrant gets put out for his arrest. And at that point, they're like, "Fuck it, we'll just stay up on the mountain." Yeah, we don't need to actually go down. Yeah. So eighteen months pass with yeah. them not leaving their house, <laughs> where they're completely self sufficient. They've yeah. got their, they've got some animals. They they grow their own food. Yeah. Um. All right, and then they live out their days peacefully. Yeah. Unfortunately not. Still there. Oh. Living on the land. <laughs> uh, so what happens? So we get to August 21st, 1992. Right said, Fred. I'm too sexy. Flying high in the charts. Sure. <laughs> the original Batman was probably out around that time. Yeah, yeah. maybe. What year? 92? Three years earlier. It's fine. Yeah, okay. The sequel was probably in the works. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so... Uh, the Weaver family are up in the hills. Uh, it's Randy, it's Vicky, it's their son Sam, who's 14 years old, uh, their daughter Sarah, mm-hmm. and they have another another baby daughter has come along. Bisha? Uh, uh, yeah. In the intervening months, she was born up on the mountain, delivered by Randy. Nice. Um, they also had a, the other guy staying with them. Yeah, Kevin Harris. Yeah. Who's a, just a friend of the family. He's just a wayward teen they, they took in. By this point, he was 24, but I think they took him in when he was a teen. Seemed like nice, nice family. Yeah. So they're just up there chilling, being you know, semi-fugitives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, the weird sort of fugitive where the government knows exactly where you are. Yeah. Yep. Harris yeah. is like the comedy relief. <laughs> not non-relative, he lives with them. Like, comes in like a man. Drops some catchphrases. <laughs> He's always a little bit stoned. Yeah. Hey, Mr. W. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey, why is all that smoke coming in a van? Out of your van? <laughs> I don't know, Mr. W. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Things do get a bit tragic. So. Yeah. And most, most of the kids end up inadvertently learning their life lessons through him, not their parents. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, get your chuckles out now. Yeah. Uh, their dog starts going off about something. Well, I guess, so the government have been surveilling the house for a while. Yeah. It's probably, I think, for a few months. They'd had 
remote cameras. They'd done some surveillance flyovers. They had a kind of a... I think they even had a station set up for a while to, to kind of do little rickies. Their plan was to pose as a couple, again, a couple of agents posing as a couple, you know, hey, we want to buy property around here. Because the Weavers apparently were, were nice people in that personal sense, not yeah. in the racism sense. Um, and then, so they were sort of in the process of scoping it out, and I think they were kind of all ready to, to enact the plan. But in the lead-up, the Weavers had found a camera, a remote camera that was in the woods, and mm. were like, oh, this is a bit sus. So I think they were already pretty shit, something's going on. Um, a couple of agents went up near the up near the property. These are United States Marshals now. Yeah. And they knew there was dogs there, so they, they biffed a couple of rocks to see how the dogs would react, to see if they were going to, you know, start barking. <laughs> Naturally, they and did. And they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then that sort of um, triggered a somewhat of a chase or a, yeah, a chase. They kind of were like, shit, the dogs are barking and... Uh, Samuel, the son, and Kevin, the, the family friend, came out with guns, uh, and the dogs started pursuing them. But when they came out with guns, they weren't out there to kill some cops. They, they weren't there to tang- tangle with the cops. No, they were. I guess apparently the they thought that was a, they thought the dogs were barking at an animal. Yeah, and they had no more meat. And the family quite often just carried guns everywhere they went. By this point, right. yeah, they thought they thought it might be a bear or something, mm. something nice and hearty. Hmm. Anyway, they they go out looking for it. Randy goes with them. They go down the hill and they're they're looking for whatever the dog has found. And then suddenly, a dude in camo just pops out <laughs> and th- says to I think they they split up as well. Mm. Uh, and Randy's there and he a guy in camo pops out and says Randy Weaver freeze, and he says no yeah <laughs> and just runs away. I'm a bloody outlaw. Yeah. I'm not going to freeze. Mm. Um, and he just he go he runs back up the hill. He yells at the other ones, "Come back up the hill!" Then he hears gunshots because this is something that no one, except I guess the uh, remaining the marshals that were there, mm. know. Uh, a shootout has begun between the 14 year old boy yeah. and the uh, the U.S. marshals, mm. in which Samuel dies. He's shot, uh, I think, in the back. Yeah, yeah. As well as I think they sh- they shoot him in the arm. Yeah, and then and he the- turns to run back, and they shoot him shoot in the back. back. And one of the U.S. Marshals dies as mm. well, uh, Bill Deegan. So it's kind of up for debate. No one's really sure how it all started, right? Yeah, as in the the shooting. The family story is that they shot the the agents shot the dog. Yeah, and the kid went, "You shot my dog!" and shot at them. Yeah. And they started shooting. And then they shot back. Um, Which makes it the family's fault that it started. mm. Because the kid shot at the cops. Yeah. They did open fire first, though. Who did? The The cops. The cops. Yeah. So I read a few different things about that. I mean, I I don't know if anyone uh, has kept up with Homeland, the television show Homeland. But that moment was, um, I guess, almost recreated in a recent season. Right. Where literally the same thing. They were creeping up on someone who was holed up in a, a right-wing conclave. Um, the Alex Jones kind of character they were getting. And then, uh, yeah, there's a whole shot dog situation and then a siege. Right. So Kevin, uh, I think, sees some of this happen. Uh, and he's he runs back up. Randy's already gone back up to the cabin. And uh, Kevin tells him, oh, Sam's dead. Hmm. So they um they go back down to get the body. Meanwhile, the the U.S. Marshals have freaked out. <laughs> uh, two of them sort of just run for an hour mm. back down the hill to the to the nearest neighbor to call in backup. It's like get some fucking walkie talkies. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Plus, do you not have some other blokes stationed nearby? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just wave into one of your remote cameras. Yeah. Well, I th- I think that they left. Some of them up there, and then two of them run down, right. and they say, "Yo, they're calling back up. We need everyone here. Something's gone wrong with the Randy Weaver operation. Uh, we've been pinned down. Our guys are pinned down up there, which would suggest that you know there's an ongoing gunfight yeah. yeah. where they can't escape because of this gunfire, which is not the case at all. Yeah. Not that the only two guys there have actually just run off. Yeah, and aren't <laughs> saying that. 
the dead body of our dead guy is pinned down. So I think they still had some people hiding there. Right. But there's no there's no ongoing gunfight. Mm. So Randy and Kevin bring the body of Sam back up to the, the house and they put it in the shed. And then they don't know what to do. Can I, while we're talking about the shed, um, just a, a kind of a weird aside, did you read what the part of the mother's beliefs were? That when she was menstruating, she would go and stay in the shed for that period? Right. Pun not intended. And so, yeah, that kind of was the, um, yeah, it was kind of where she would excommunicate herself and her later on her daughter. So they put the body of the, of the son in the shed. They sort of hole up in the, the house and they don't, they're not really sure what to do. Meanwhile, the cops don't know what to do either. But they, they just call in everyone. It gets handed over to the FBI and the uh, hosti- Hostage Rescue Task Force, the HRT, I think that's what it stands for, uh, who are not told so much stuff. Uh, they don't know that the son is dead. Mm. Uh, they don't know that uh, Randy Weaver was like approached to be an informant. <laughs> they don't know any of this information. So they, um, they just bring in everything. There's tanks, there's... They, they built yeah, a bridge. It seemed to escalate <coughs> way too quickly, right? Is this kind of somewhat related to the militarization of the police that was sort of happening at that time? Like, had the Gulf... Because you know how they end up with all this kind of leftover things from the Gulf War? They're like, shit, we need to do something with them. So the police started getting all this random stuff. And so they had started using them for... Um, I guess internal, you know, so that's why there's all these tanks lying around. Yeah, right. And I think one of the theories, and I don't know how this came, you know, what timeline this is, but um, is that all the agencies realised they had to start using them, otherwise they'd lose them. So, like, any right. chance they got, they'd just, all right, let's get some tanks and whatever, <laughs> otherwise they're going to take them off us. So. Because there was also, like, a fair bit of chopper action as well, right, flying around. Yeah. And the Weavers had shot at a chopper at yeah. one point um, prior to this, uh Geraldo, the talk show host. For some reason, he was flying a chopper over, and they they opened fire on it. Geraldo, <laughs> another another random fact I found. <laughs> so they're up there. The the feds uh, come up with a plan. They draw up their rules of engagement, uh, which is partially based. On, they do a psychological profile of the family. They send off mm-hmm. all of the letters that Vicky Weaver had sent out talking mm-hmm. about the, the apocalypse and shit, mm-hmm. and they send that off to psychologist who writes back with, yeah, nah, she's cooked. Yep. Um, but basically they come up with this profile that Vicky Weaver's like the controlling matriarch in this situation and that she's probably calling the shots and that uh, she's very dangerous and that she might want to just end things up, up in the cabin. Mm. So that's in the back of their mind and they come up with these rules of operation where basically they can shoot if you see anyone, shoot them. Yeah. Mm. So it's like uh, any adult male that's armed, uh, armed. you can yeah. shoot. And then any Randy Weavers, definitely shoot. Yeah. Uh, Vicky, probably if she's armed, shoot her too. Yeah. yeah. So It wasn't verbatim that, but yeah. roundabout. I think the wording was pretty intense. So it was like any adult male with a weapon, deadly force is authorised and encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Which they changed those rules after this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Randy goes outside to, he wants to go see Sam again. And so he goes to the bar of the shed. So I think he gets shot by this sniper, Lon Horiuchi, uh, through just because he's, he's doing some, there's some weird latch that he has to undo to open the door which I don't think was an expected motion for him to take. Because he does that, he only gets shot in the arm. Mm. I think it would have been a fatal shot otherwise. Uh, it's Lynn's story. But I... Uh, <laughs> well, I know. I think... Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> so he gets shot through the arm and it goes... It's a very high-powered rifle. It goes through the building as well. It exits mm. out the other side of the building. Jeez. Uh, he goes to go back inside. He, It's him, Kevin and Vicky trying to get back inside. And Vicky's holding the baby as well. Uh, and as they're going back through the door, Lon Horiuchi takes another shot, which takes down Vicky mm. and kills her. She mm. drops the baby. And the bullet also uh, goes through Kevin's arm. Mm. 
This is day two of the siege? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so they get inside with Vicky's body and, yeah, the siege carries on. Mm. I uh, think she he shot her in the head, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was good for one of his shots. But he doesn't... Yeah. He apparently doesn't know that. Yeah, right, because no one knew, right? Yeah. Oh, that's but right. They and don't know... In, they say they don't know until much later mm. that Vicky was dead. Yeah. Um, and they... So one of the things they were doing to try and encourage them to get out was, I guess, praying to their hunger. So, like, yelling out to Vicky over a, a megaphone... You know, we've got some pancakes, Vicky, come out and join us, yeah. Vicky, kind of a thing. Mm. So the family are obviously like, this is cooked. Yeah. The, the, and chances the, are they probably knew that she was dead, but well, it seems a weird thing to say. They say that they didn't know, but it seems like if they didn't know, if they did know, it's being interpreted correctly by the family mm. as being mocking. And they think that the minute they step out the door, they're going to get shot. Mm. Yeah. Now, they also... Which is... Uh, there is strong evidence to show that, considering they stepped outside the door and got shot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the feds are, like, underneath the house because it, the cabin's up on stilts or something yeah. or it's up on a on a ridge where they can get under the house. So they can hear them down there. And I think they were planting listening devices underneath mm. the house. Apparently Randy Weaver's yelling at them, you know, Vicky's dead. So there were some clues for them yeah, that, yeah. that had happened. Yeah. They also, they sent a robot up to the house with a phone on it. That's classic 90s. So that they could communicate <laughs> with them. What they've, I don't think the family actually saw this while the robot was there, but it was discovered later in the siege. The robot had a gun on it. Right. So if anyone had gone outside the house, they could have shot them remotely. <laughs> with the robot gun? <laughs> with the robot gun. Doesn't that go against, I guess it's more of a drone, but doesn't it go against Asimov's law? I yeah, think the robot's not in control of itself. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the drones are probably the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I think it had a sawn-off shotgun on it as well. Right. Just for the yeah. irony. Yeah. But um, apparently that was a mistake that the gun was still on the robot. Okay. Who just leaves? Who just... This was, oh, whoops, just, we left that gun on the robot. It's just their standard phone-slash-gun ro- robot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So this carries on for nine more days? Yeah. Meanwhile, it's gotten out what's going on. Uh, a lot of locals have shown up and are protesting because it's very obvious that there's a, basically a major military operation mm. happening in their tiny little town. So the locals are out there and then sort of the news gets out to wider audience and all of these neo-Nazis show yeah. up as well. Which, um, which, But it's weird because he wasn't a neo-Nazi. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're like, look, remember this guy that comes and hang out, hang out, hangs out here with us? He's not one of us, but he just thinks we're good guys. Yeah. He's a pretty good guy too. Should we just go up and show some support? Yeah. Not because he's a Nazi, <laughs> just because he's a good guy. Yeah. Team good guy. Yeah. So heaps of those dudes show up as well. It all gets very messy. Eventually, finally, this sort of far right guy called Bo Greitz shows up. Bo Greitz. Yep. So Bo Greitz is a former um, US, I think he's a US Special Forces guy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he's the apparently the inspiration for Rambo. Well, he says that he's the inspiration for Rambo. Yeah. But apparently he is legitimately loosely the inspiration for Hannibal from the A-Team. Okay. <laughs> Thought you were going to say someone else when you said Hannibal, but... <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, he's an interesting character. So yeah. he, he was in Nam. Uh, <laughs> after Nam wrapped up, He's sort of, I guess he got a reputation for going o- back over to Nam. He's free POWs. <laughs> but he never freed any. Because there wasn't any left, I don't think. That was like the whole thing. He went over because he's like, yeah, the war's over and they, they released all the POWs. But there's heaps of them still in Laos because Laos never gave up their POWs. Oh, right. Laos gave their POWs to the Vietnamese government and the Vietnamese government released them. But he's like spent all these years into the 80s going, there's, there's still POWs over there alive, which is actually the plot of Rambo 2. Right. There's POWs over there. We need to go free them. And he, But he did all these like secret missions that were like super publicized <laughs> <laughs> to go over there and do it. And it, none of them ever happened. 
Yeah. Because so, they were too hyper publicized. I, I saw two sort of criticisms of his actions in Laos, which is one of the which is like, if you're doing a secret mission, don't have people selling the secret mission t shirts. Yeah, that's right. At the, at the location of the secret <laughs> mission. Secret mission. Uh, also, there, I think there was some real. Because there was, there was a question mark, at least, yeah. over whether there were POWs. I think there was an actual proper mission, or there might have been a couple of times where they were doing proper missions, not right. him, but the military, yeah, to go in and have, and a, look. have a look, which were fucked up by him being there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it should be noted that Randy Weaver was in, he was a Green Beret, Mm. Um, and he wanted to join the FBI but pulled out because the tuition, like the uni studies, were, were too expensive. Mm. Um, yeah. So, Bo Greitz, he... Um, Are we going with Greitz? Because I think it's Gritz. No, it's Greitz. His name is Greitz. Is it? Yeah, it rhymes. Because one of his slogans right, was something, something with Gritz. The presidential campaign slogan was God, Gun and Greitz. I've, I've seen all these things where they either say it rhymes with rights, if they're positive about him, or they say it rhymes with fights, if they're being a little bit negative about him. Right. I just thought Gritz because you have something and, and Gritz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, I didn't see anyone... I would, if, I, if it was Gritz, I would expect him to make more references to, you know... Let's cook up some grits. Why would, why would he say let's cook up some grits in the White We're House? We're going to cook up some grits in the White House. Hey, speaking of um, weird political campaigns, mm. another little fact about Randy Weaver. Mm. He ran for mayor in the, the township near Ruby Ridge. Uh, one of his policies um, was everyone's going to be free. And to show that, uh, he was handing out get-out-of-jail free cards to everyone. Right. Um, get in jail, you got one of these cards. Oh. One free hit. Um <laughs> Out of 486 votes, he got 102. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. This guy's going to get you out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> want to do some crimes later. Perfect. Half of the people grabbed the card and didn't even look at it and threw it away. Yeah. 106 <laughs> went, whoa. <laughs> I could do one crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not suggesting any politicians try that out, but... Yeah. Just rock up to the cop shop and go, one crime, please. <laughs> It'll be a murder, just so you're aware. <laughs> So yeah, Bo is an interesting guy. He so he had that sort of military thing going on. Uh, I, it's weird because he got involved with Christian identity as well, mm. but he's also made heaps of like statements about not being racist. Okay, and I it's one of those you know when like someone's a racist mm. and they're like I'm not a racist. It's like all right, sh- you are. Mm. He's made like really. Passion statements about, you know, when I was over there, you know, fucking in the slop mm-hmm. with the boys. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, you know, we all bleed red. Mm. And uh, except for the lizards and the, the troop. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he also, when he ran for president, I don't know if this was his God Guns and Grites campaign or if this was the one before it, he was running with this, I think it was the Populist Party or something. And uh, he thought his running mate was going to be this other guy. But it turned out his running mate was actually uh, David Duke. Oh, right. From the KKK. <laughs> but he pulled out. Okay. He said, I'm not going to run with this guy. He's a fucking dickhead. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, it would hurt your chances anyway. Mm. Like, if you just had common sense and actually... Wait, I do agree with him. I just don't want to be his friend. Grits didn't want to run with David Duke or David Duke didn't run and want to run with him. No, Grits didn't want to run with David yeah. Duke. Yeah, right. <laughs> I also, this is unrelated, but I saw a, um, a video where he was talking about Freemasons. Uh, and he's like, yeah, they're always asking me to join. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but also in uh, Nam, he injured his, I think he must have broken a finger. So when he shakes hands, he can't like clasp his hands properly. Oh. So every time he does a handshake, he always does the Mason shake. Oh, sneaky Freeman. Because <laughs> he can't move that one finger. Yeah. And so he'll always be shaking hands and they're like, oh. Brother, are you travelling east? He's like, uh, well, sort of. But, <laughs> but his, he did make the point that, you know, he's known a lot of Masons and heaps of them are, were all right folks. Oh, fair but enough. none of them were very good Christians. No. So he also set up a um, the Centre for Action. Did you come across this? Mm-hmm. So he set up the Centre for Action, which was a, 
they were active on a number of issues, one of them being uh, related to conspiracy theories. And they were trying to build bridges between all the different conspiracy theorists, <laughs> both on the left and the right, to come together, mm. I guess, to fight the NWO. Um, and in 90, 1990, he had a conference in Las Vegas called Freedom Call 90. Had a bunch of like cooked people at it speaking. Yeah, it was it was weird because it seemed like he did sort of build bridges between the left and the right for a while, but then he he got too involved with like some of these Nazi guys, <laughs> and the left were like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I could I couldn't really get a good handle on because he was married to a Christian identity woman at one point, mm. and this is the point where he's supposed to be involved with the Christian identity thing. It's like, how much of that was just for the lady? <laughs> you know, the little lady wants you to come along to Nazi meetings. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, he rocks up yeah. at the uh, the barricade and uh, he convinces the FBI that he should go up to... I got this, boys. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he was like, he was a well-known figure in that sort of, those sort of circles. Mm. I think they were quite concerned that he might go up there and escalate things, but also there was an understanding that, that there was really nothing they could do that wasn't going to escalate things anyway. And there's probably an aspect of they probably don't love a guy like Bogret. He's a bit of a loose cannon. Seeing him up if everything goes wrong, yeah. ah, well. Yeah. <laughs> He's a loose cannon, but he gets results. Yeah. Except he famously doesn't. Yeah. So, if you know, if he happens to get one. Two problems solved. Yeah. Anyway, they send him up. Uh, he talks to Weaver. He finds the gun on the robot. Uh, and he also discovers the information that they apparently didn't know down the bottom of the hill, which is that Vicky's dead. Mm. So he comes back to, and he delivers that news, which changes, that changes the whole thing. Uh, I think they also, they didn't know that Sam was dead at that point either. So he relays that information as well, that Sam and Vicky are dead. And so these people have been operating on the assumption that Vicky Weaver, the evil matriarch of the Weaver clan, is you know gearing them up for this sort of apocalyptic showdown. Meanwhile, they're all you know in extreme grief and mourning, mm. and so they have to change their game plan entirely. I saw um, the press conference where the the main cop announced that um, <coughs> the wife was dead, and everyone in the crowd just went nuts, screaming and shit. Because, yeah, no one had known up mm. until then. So, eventually, Bo... They send Bo up again with, like, a, a family friend. Uh, he brings the body back down. And eventually he goes back up and he convinces Randy to come down. So, they, they exit the house and still quite sure that they're going to just be executed. Mm. But they, they aren't. Mm. And that's it. That's it. So... Randy and Kevin were both charged with the murder of the uh, U.S. Marshal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy's charged with the, his original gun charge, as well as charged with uh, failing to get to his court date. Yep. All pretty mundane, really, when you unpack it, other than the, the murder charge. Yeah. So he and Kevin both go on trial for the murder thing and, yeah, found it innocent the only charge that they get actually get randy on is the charge of not showing up to court mm-hmm. 18 months yeah and then he's out uh they sue the federal government uh they settle out of court uh randy gets a hundred thousand dollars and the the three kids get a million dollars each yeah i think that was is, there, an, is there another daughter I think it was awarded $1 million for each of the kids, I think. Oh, no, it's it's Sam, Sarah, and the, the baby. Mm. Each get a million dollars. So it's a $3.1 million payout. Yeah. Sam's dead, though. Yeah, but it's, I guess, dam- like, not damages for the kid, yeah, but, yeah. like... Per kid. Per kid, yeah. Because um, two of his kids have got, are going to have this horrific thing to grow up with, mm. and one of his kids is dead. Mm. So, it's, so it's, like, mm. reparation, I guess. Um, also, there was another charge of the sniper mm. was charged for manslaughter. Right. Uh, I don't think he ever actually made it to court, though. I think there was they kind of finangled it so he wouldn't end up in court. Yeah. Right. Um, so two of the federal agents are charged. 
one of them does go to jail. I think he got done for sort of not being entirely forthcoming because they try and cover up how badly they fucked it up. Mm. And I think it's also the sniper is charged. Something with, uh, I guess, a running theme with a lot of these famous cases is the Fed stuff up and the conspiracy is just them trying to cover their asses. Yeah. That's all I have to say. It's my commentary on the Feds. <laughs> I um, There was a fair bit of other cool stuff about Bo Greitzgritz mm. too. Like, because when did Ruby Ridge happen? 1992. Right, so the next year he set up his almost heaven thing. Did you cross that? So I wonder if this is this was as a fallout to this event. So he set up a um, a course called Spike, mm. which was specially prepared individuals for key events. Uh, those events being things that oppose the NWO, <laughs> and he uh, so he taught survivalists and paramilitary stuff to people who were we're going to be survivalists and constitutionalists and live up in the hills. So he founded a community in Idaho called almost heaven where a whole bunch of people who couldn't be fucked with the government anymore went to live off, off the grid in their own little commune and stuff. I think, um, Louis Theroux goes there in one of his docos and spends a whole bunch of time with the people there. I think Bo's gone at that point. Cause he left eventually. Mm. He left, he's like, <laughs> he's like set up this thing to be like almost heaven. This is going to be the utopia where we can live by ourselves. And then he just fucked off and <laughs> moved back to wherever he was from. But I think in an interview he was like, but you know what? Maybe one day we'll pack up the family and go back there. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> anyway, I think that place is almost shut down now. Like mm. almost everyone's left. Um, but I think he also shot himself at some point. After that, but like didn't kill himself. Okay. He's all right. Good. Got better. <laughs> what a storied life. Yeah. For someone who was a good bloody military man, it's not a good shot. <laughs> like we said at the top of the episode, it really, it was sort of a bit of a turning point for the militia movement because mm. it solidified a lot of the paranoia that was out there. Uh, like Bill Cooper's, uh, who Bo Gritz was quite into, and we talked about on previous episodes. He'd been putting out this stuff that was really popular and now it's coming true. You know, right. the black helicopters over Ruby Ridge, they came to kill this family for not going along with what the government told them to do. Mm. And the, there was a real sense that anyone could be next. And yeah, government didn't do itself any favours. No, I don't think anyone in this whole story really covered themselves in glory, including the, the Weavers for being... Nazis. Yeah. or Nazis the, bad, shooting people bad. Yeah. At the very least, they were white separatists. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that a lot of people, because in Australia, if someone describes themselves, pe- white, people who describe themselves as white separatists often try and make a distinction between themselves and white supremacists. Because mm. <laughs> uh, they're like, oh no, I just want to be separate from all of the other races. It's not because I think... <laughs> the white race supreme. It's like, well, a lot of the time, it's it's just semantics. Can we just say if you if you form a group of people and the name at all has white in it, <laughs> it's probably not a good thing. Yeah, except for the white hats. Yeah, or unless you're like, I'm forming the white Commodore Club. And it's, <laughs> if it's just Even have, that sounds pretty. Just some people have white Commodores. I feel like the white Commodore Club would immediately become a super racist club. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one little kind of one of the guys involved early on in this um, I forgot to mention earlier but um, um, he so when they were first trying to recruit Randy to, to be a badman um, there's another guy that he met who wasn't so much uh, into violence but he wanted to explore pranks uh, his name was Frank Kumnik have you guys come across this guy? no hey. Uh, he wanted to put epoxy glue in the doors of banks and strip federal agents uh, naked and make them walk home. So they wanted classic they pranks. They didn't really want to, you know, they weren't wanting to tear get down the government with violence. Well, he wasn't. He wanted to prank them. Yeah. Uh, Randy Weaver wasn't well, interested in any of that. He didn't want to do pranks. <laughs> he didn't want to do the little pranks. Really, if he just if if white supremacists focused on pranks, 
I might soften my stance on them a little bit. Mm. Interesting. Interesting how easily you can be turned. <laughs> <laughs> you love a prank too, Cam. We're not trying to bash people of other races and ethnicities. We're just pranking them. Yeah. <laughs> Go into your local Asian grocer with a little uh, buzzer on your palm. Yeah. Oh, hey, welcome to our country. Just joking. You're not gotcha. welcome. Yeah, not welcome. You're going to get buzzed every time. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> wow um, Yeah So I guess we'll see in the coming weeks We're going to talk about the other events That are sort of follow on from this uh, Which had a big impact Now I think one of the, the Things that I kind of wanted to mention It's what we talked about very early on in the podcast Where I don't think any of us really knew much about it and We thought Randy Weaver was Not as guilty as We didn't think he was a white separatist or anything um, but what happened in, during the court cases was because the government fucked up so much, the juror was just like, yeah, he shouldn't be on trial. The jurors were like, he shouldn't be on trial for anything. Mm. Um, so that's why he kind of got off with pretty lightly. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. That video where he's an old man being interviewed by two blokes, he's like talking about everything that happened. And at one point he just goes, he's talking about the, the ATF agent who sold him out. And he's like, blah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. And if I saw him today, I'd kill him. <laughs> and the interviewer's like, ha, 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 He goes, no, 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 I'd kill him. <laughs> and like, they're just like, just, <laughs> just hold that one back a little bit, mate. <laughs> um, I watched ages ago. I haven't watched it. I, I meant to make time to watch it again, but I think it was John Ronson went and hung out with Sarah. Right. Um, shot guns with her. She's just pretty much living a similar life, isolated from the world, uh, shooting guns. Yeah, she still um, has the the shed. She got the shed moved right down to her new property. Mm. Um, for that time of the month. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Or as a, a gruesome reminder of the death of her brother. Yeah, I mean, it's the second one. Um, but she seemed relatively normal. Yeah, uh, didn't seem like someone that was bailing up for the mm. end of the world. No. I saw two. I think I saw two interviews with her. One that was more recent than the other, and I had at first thought one of the interviews might have been with the younger sister, because the the more modern one, she was just dressed really normally. It was in a state like a stage place where she was being interviewed, and she just yeah seemed like she'd gotten on with her life. The other interview from earlier, which I, which I think was also with her, was yeah her traipsing through the mountains, <laughs> still like <laughs> I was like, whoa, you look like you're just doing the same thing. Yeah. I guess the second one was in a studio or something. Yeah, she probably yeah. then took it all off and went back out in the woods. Yeah. Gun was kissed off camera. Yeah. I saw just speaking about the daughter, I did see a video which uh, was all about how Vicky Weaver was actually still alive. And uh, she changed her name to Youngblood and started a restaurant in Texas. Right. Started a career as a SoundCloud rapper. That, <laughs> 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 um... They'd found like, you know, you can do like a, there's websites that do sort of public record searches Aye. or like if you, if you look up someone's name, you'll find these websites that are like based on public record searches. And so there was somebody called Vicky Weaver who they had, AKA Vicky Youngblood. Right. And then they found this other, this Vicky Youngblood person in Texas. Right. And they're like, it's her. And then they were comparing photos of Vicky Weaver and this Vicky Youngblood who Looks so different. <laughs> you know, there's 20 years mm. there as well, but they don't look that similar. And then they're like, and compare her also to her very attractive daughter, Sarah. And they put the photos up. And so they don't look that similar either. <laughs> but they kept, they mentioned several times that right. the daughter was very attractive. Right. Um. So speaking of, Cooked people who think people are out to get them. Mm. You know who played Randy in the, the TV melodrama of the event? Was it uh, Randy Quaid? Randy Quaid. <laughs> do we think? Do we think this is the event that cooked him? <laughs> Getting he, he, he dived too deep into the role of bloody Ruby Ridge guy. Can't remember his name already. Randy Weaver. Randy Weaver. Did they, did they just cast him because his name was Randy? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we know that Randy's <laughs> he's notorious for not remembering his character names on set. <laughs> so let's just get him in. 
We've done some of this, Randy. Hey, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, because he, so his his whole thing was that there was people out to get him, right? Which I think come from his wife. Yeah. The Star Whackers. Yeah. I'm going to get him and take all his money. Also, Randy Quaid doesn't look anything like Randy Weaver. No. They don't look. I wouldn't cast. He's not my first choice if I'm casting. Even someone. a few years ago, when Randy Quaid was a little younger and not so shaggy bearded and yeah, yeah, cooked looking. Um, quite. I, I saw Randy Weaver described, and both of them described as an attractive couple a couple of times. Mm. He had a with jaw, yeah, full head of hair. Mm. See that? I I hadn't come across this, but I knew that Randy Quaid was a bit cooked. There was like a he posted a video of him like banging his missus. And she had like a oh, some yeah. sort of mask on. The reading about that. A mask of someone who, like a politician or something. Oh no, of uh, Rupert Murdoch. Right. She was wearing a Rupert Murdoch mask, and he was banging her, and fucking weird, man. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. These two blokes are both on Pornhub looking for it. No, I'm just confirming. Yeah, it is. It is a Rupert Murdoch mask. Yeah. There you go. Well, if we haven't learned anything except for about his sex tape, yeah. we've learned something. <laughs> go Google it or don't. Uh, anything else to add about Ruby Reach? Yeah, so hmm. I guess we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later, but uh, one of the ways the, that it really directly resonated was the before he decided to do the Oklahoma bombing, uh, his name Tim Timothy McVeigh. Timothy McVeigh's original one or one of his original plans was to kill the sniper. Mm. And he also apparently he was like handing out cards with the sniper's address at like gun shows and things. Okay, he really uh, had it out for him. Jesus. The thing besides the it resonating through the conspiracy world and the militia movement, it did cha- sort of change the way that. The U.S. authorities dealt with things like this, yeah. sort of. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk next week about Waco and we'll see where they haven't quite learned all of the lessons mm. yet. <laughs> but uh, there, was, there was a good uh, New York Times piece. They do these retro uh, pieces on major events where they also linked it to the case of John Joe Gray. Yeah. Who, uh, was this 10 years after Ruby I Ridge? think so, yeah. He, he had he had some sort of uh, run in with the law, and he was another gun nut, right? Yeah, gun nut. Sovereign and everyone citizen. knew that he was a gun gun nut and lived, you know, off the grid and had his own little property and stuff. Anyway, when they went to get him, I think they picked it. They picked him up on a traffic thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's sort of the similar thing. They pick him up. He gets bailed out or whatever. Then he doesn't show up for his court thing. I know where they know exactly where he is. They, you know, they go to get him. Come on out! And he's like, I'm not coming out. And they're like, All right, yeah, we'll, we'll just wait. We'll just wait for you to come out then. And uh, yeah, he stayed uh, in self-imposed Sanchez house arrest for 14 years. <laughs> Till eventually they just dropped the charges. Yeah, yeah. Because the sheriff's like, you would have gotten like max 10 years. Yeah, I think he said he's been there for 14 years. The most he would have gotten was 10 years and we wouldn't have given him 10 years. <laughs> um, they also said the kook is not worth it. <laughs> yeah, it, was just, it wasn't worth anyone dying over yeah. whatever bullshit it, the charge was. Uh, good effort. Yeah, yeah good, good effort. effort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stick to your guns. Well, don't. Wouldn't, no. Anything else on Ruby Ridge? No, I think that's about it. I, it was one of those ones where, uh, you know, I knew the story. Mm. I guess I didn't know, like how bad it was. Mm. The, you mean the murder of a mother and child? Well, I I knew that. I didn't know like all of the, the the in the even in the official story where they don't know about the mother being dead. I don't buy that, especially. I guess, you know, even the way it played, the official story doesn't make them look good. I reckon that that just seems off to me, right? Mm. The stuff where I didn't know that they just shot them, like that was because that those were the rules they had. Where you're just allowed to shoot them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think 
there was a, in that retrospective thing, there was an interview with, I don't know if it was the sniper, but us sniper. No, it was the sniper, I think, or no, sorry. I'm going to take that back. It might've been us sniper who was there. Mm. And he was just talking about how, when you're up there, your whole world is like through a little tiny circle in your scope. And he was just waiting to take the shot or not take the shot. Mm. And he's talking about how he didn't have the right shot or something, which makes me think it might've been a different sniper. Yeah. Who didn't have the shot, so he didn't take it, even though he had these cooked orders to like just fucking kill everyone. I watched, um, I think it was PBS did a big documentary on the, the whole thing. And so, sort of like, some of the FBI guys were like very emotional mm. about like the point where they'd realized how badly they'd fucked it up mm. and like that they'd killed this woman and the, the, the kid was dead. And they were like, I, they seem to have actually been really affected by it. Yeah. Mm. I saw one old old agent talking about how, how yeah, I can't believe my, like my brothers acted that way on the day and they did these things. And I did also see though, there was a, it was on like some gun nut blog and they had a, they had a real issue with some sort of really weird asymmetrical training organization i think it's like a secure some sort of security training organization in the states who had hired as one of their instructors one of the snipers from ruby ridge not the guy right but one of them and these guys are like yeah i think they're, they're quite pro guns in one sense but they weren't pro these guns right <laughs> but uh they wanted them to sack this guy, because they reckoned that he had said, uh, even though he hadn't taken the shot, he felt that the shot was justified. And this is, you know, post the courts and everything determining that it was a very unjustified shot. Yeah. But he stood by it and he would yeah. have taken it if it was him. Okay, I, I feel like there's like this line, there must be this line where ex-military gun nuts have like, they're like, okay... I respect uh, Randy Weaver because he's holding his constitution and he's got his guns and he's an ex- you know he wanted to be military but he couldn't. Well, he, he was military. He wanted, wanted to be, to be FBI. He wanted to be FBI. Oh, I wanted to be FBI. Okay, so they're like, oh yeah, okay, respect him, respect him. But then there's also like the military and the guys who are like quote unquote following orders, and the military men you should think should be all about following orders yeah. as well. So it's like, which side do they take? Do they have to go, uh, on one side, the sniper was just following his orders. On the other side, he was shooting other people who were like us and who were probably like him. Mm. Mm. Just wait for the rest of them to get outraged and then join that side. (laughs) It's a worrying thing to think about Mm. in 2018. Anyway, where people find us on the internet? Uh, You can find us on Twitter, uh, Hypothepod. We're on Facebook. We are on iTunes where you can leave us a review or rating. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Spotify. Also, the Google Podcast Store. Yep. Has your, have you got the new Google Podcast app? I don't think so. Yeah, I got it the other day. Are we there? It's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Good on us. Yeah, anywhere you find your podcasts, if uh, you found us somewhere and you yeah. want to find us somewhere else, you can do that easily. Mm. Uh, Robbo, where can they find you? You can get me at Ale of a Time and aleofatime.com. Uh, also, I'm going to be up in Brisbane doing beer hosting uh, for the Stone and Wood Invitational on November 24th. If you're in Brisbane and you are looking for some beers, I think it's going to be a good event. And you'll see me talking about beer on stage or the stage equivalent. Yeah. What do you mean the stage equivalent? I don't know if there's a stage, a physical stage yet. It might just okay. be standing on some ground. Right. <laughs> I don't want people to get there and go, ah, oh, you said there'd be a stage. <laughs> I'm leaving. Uh, you can get me at Solmarsh on uh, Instagram for art stuff. Andrew Solmarsh Illustration on Facebook for art stuff. At Solmarsh on Twitter for me stuff. With uh, a little bit of art stuff thrown in. Yeah. Uh, you can get some prints of my artwork now on Society6. Uh, please do, because you quit your job. And please do, because <laughs> I just quit my job. Uh and check out Tohara on Patreon. And you can get me at Sexenheimer on Twitter. Gather around me on Facebook and iTunes for my other podcast. See ya. Thank you. Bye. 
Don't worry about a thing Except if all our world leaders are alien reptilians Whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation in which to disarm Australia Trump is clearly a 